This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, where Christian music doesn't suck. Just to turn me away 
The Antidote is back with the second half of our trip through the music of Dead Artist Syndrome with the band's frontman, Brian Healy. Our first song, 13, comes from the new DAS album, Kissing Strangers. Now, if you didn't get a chance to hear The Antidote last week, you missed some of the great chat I had with Brian Healy. We talked about American and Canadian politics, evangelicals being John Candy's double, and of course my favorite topic, coffee. If you like what you hear tonight, head over to theantidoteradio.com or iTunes to listen or get a download. And if you did tune in last week, you already know that Brian has really strong opinions about every topic that comes along. He'll share more of his thoughts with some help from his parakeet fog as we head through the discography of Dead Artist Syndrome. We'll get to that talk right after the song Dance With Me from the 1995 album Happy Hour. Oh, 
you must have known that I was going to ask about your 2001 album, Jesus Wants You to Buy This Record. You got to tell us about the title track. Well, I had gotten email that said a certain artist whose music I was never fond of to begin with, uh, we'll just pick a name out of the air, Carmen, uh, <laughs> his record company sent out this email that basically said the only way we can show the gospel is true is by making sure this record not only enters number one on the Christian charts, but makes an impact in the mainstream world so they will know the power of the gospel. And I just thought, so basically you want us to tell people Jesus wants them to buy this record. And I thought, I like this. I'm going to go with this. Because that's literally what it came down. The gospel's not true or false. You know, the only thing that proves the truth of God is in John 17, that we're, you know, how we treat each other as Christians is what will show the world the love of God. And right now, we're not doing a really good job of that. So Jesus wants you to buy this record was just sort of a, a whole thing with the whole evangelical mentality of ignore the losers. If we can just get the winners in, then all the losers will follow. And it's just like, well, how nice, you know, to have refugees to the cross. That, that's just great. I always had a tough time with Carmen because I never understood the appeal. Well, I mean, when you've got a guy whose theology is so bad that even your imagination can cause, you know, unconscious sin in his book, by the time he's done clicking through his list of do's and don'ts, you start to realize, well, if I do what this guy says, I don't need Jesus at all because I can literally just work all of these things off the list. I think his theology sort of neutralizes a need for Jesus or, or forgiveness or, or salvation or compassion. It's just like focus on yourself and just find things and don't do them. That's never going to happen. You're just never going to attain perfection. You should just be open and honest with God and everyone else in, in your life. And that way, at least when you do let them down, it won't be that big a fall off the precipice. So Jesus wants you to buy this record was basically sort of a series of little vignettes. And, and you know, and the song itself just had to do with uh, the whole exploitation thing. And like I said, the gospel of the greatness. You know, I, I see God in, in the little simplistic, dirty parts of the world. And apparently they see it as bubbly joy, pristine and privileged. That's just not my personal experience.
Personally, Brian, did you see God in your life when you had all these major health issues a few years ago? Absolutely. You know, see, the thing is that my perspective on God is very different. From my earliest thoughts, I can't remember a time when I didn't know of or think of God. It just didn't make sense. You know, it was a shock for Davy of Davy and Goliath that there was God. It, you know, even at that age, it was just like, how could this kid not know that? You know, uh, <laughs> gee, Davy, God is everywhere. Well, no kidding. You need the dog to tell you that. It's like, where, where were you raised in a barn? <laughs> you know? but, uh, yeah. My favorite episode, by the way, for those looking up Davy and Goliath on Wikipedia is the boy in the polka dot tie. It does a great way of dealing with racial prejudice. Okay. That one I'll have to look up. I could do some Astro for you. Okay, Rorge. You know, <laughs> which if you notice, Astro and Scooby-Doo pretty much have the same voice. Yeah, if you listen closely, it's the same voice. <laughs> but the thing is, if you read anything about the history of Scooby-Doo, it's all based on uh, Shaggy's drug hallucinations. The dog's not really talking to him. <laughs> he thinks the dog's talking to him. I never dug that it's deep. The theology of Scooby-Doo and Davy and Goliath now. And Carmen. They're all about at the same level, except uh, Carmen's the child's one. That's the scary part. See, Carmen's like Trump. It's not so much they're the problem, it's that there's actually an audience out there for that. That's the part that scares me, that there's an audience that agrees and wants to hear this stuff. It's like, oh, not, and not so much the music, but the message. It's like, that appeals to you, huh? Okay. Let's talk about that just for a second. So here you are, you're really part of the mainstream, but you're also part of the, as you mentioned, Christian sub-sub-sub-genre. What do you think about where the direction that Christian music now, that's labeled as Christian music, is going? Well, I think it's a ghetto. First of all, I think there's three factors. I think there's a lot of people doing it that would never stand a chance of succeeding in any other form of music because the only thing that makes it special is lyrical content mm -hmm. briefly when i wrote for ccm uh joni erickson 
had done an album and I wrote a scathing review of it that didn't get published. And they said, well, how could you do this? You know, she's in a wheelchair, you know, she's quadriplegic, she draws with her mouth. And I said, yeah, but she's doing an album, you know, mm -hmm. and as a singer, she's a great saxophone player. Oh, so, woo. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're going to throw yourself into that arena, then you get judged in that arena for what you do. So in Christian music, oh, he's singing about Jesus, so we'll ignore the fact that his lyrics and the music is absolutely insepid derivative ripoff of intersecular band's name here. Then you've got the talented people that no matter how hard they try, for some reason, they did not go into the mainstream or they pursued the mainstream and it was hard and it didn't work out or the record company they were on, you know, signed U2 so they got ignored. They're trying to eke out a living doing wonderful artistic stuff, but the people that are into that wonderful artistic stuff are few and far between because all they're getting fed is pablum. I mean, it's a dated reference now. But when the hardest substance in the world is jello, then the archers sound like heavy metal. <laughs> you know, you got to be old to figure that one out. So insert, you know, really fluffy Christian pop record here for that last reference on the archers. And the other thing is, there's that whole other genre of Jesus is my boyfriend type songs, you know. Or the songs that if anyone outside a fundamentalist looks at it, realizes that their title is a complete sexual innuendo. I had to review a record once called uh, Catherine Volgate, Love Explosion. That was the name of a really popular porno film. And I don't think they meant it the same way she did. But, the, you know, there was a lot of that, you know. Uh, you know, in Christian songwriting, there's always the third verse surprise. That always drives me nuts. You go all the way through this song, and then at the last minute, you throw in the Jesus crumb. It'd be like watching a porno film, and at the end, someone just looks at the camera and goes, Oh my God, we should repent and follow Jesus. Let's pray. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it's just like, what the heck? You're going to just have them pray at the end, and we're going to call it Christian. Terrific. Yeah, it's like Caligula. I know, I'll repent. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's sell it in Christian bookstores. Cries as a prayer like and is watching me grow 
sexy and dead from dead artist syndrome the song deals with all the artists who lived hard and died young last year you brought out the latest dead artist syndrome album kissing strangers how often do you kiss strangers and what does your wife think about that my wife one lets me get away with murder uh (laughs) two i used to dj in clubs and stuff i mean for years i would greet people with hey i'm drunk want to make out you know, because I found it was a great way to get a sense of who the person is. If they laughed, cool. If they acted all hoity-toity and judgmental, well, I probably didn't want to hang out with them, you know, or acted horribly offended. It's like, wow, if this person can roll with the punches, we're going to get along just fine. And, you know, and if someone actually just kissed me, it'd be like, wow, that was cool. And then I'd just start thinking, who else is this or what else has this person kissed? I'm not sure I should still be doing this. I'm going to end up with something. But Kissing Strangers, why bring out the album? Here it is 25 years after your first album. Uh, Well, one, I'm just an insepidly slow worker. (laughs) You know, to the Christian audience, I always joke, you know, 
the reason there's so much time between the records is I'm still trying to win that best new artist dove, you know, <laughs> and if you wait long enough in between, uh, the audience, I mean, let's put it this way. So many people that bought Prince of Darkness backslid three years later, you know, I can just keep remarketing the same thing over and over again because the audience just keeps recycling through because the simplistic form of Christianity they've been sold doesn't work you know, and they get divorced or something terrible happens in their life and they walk away. I mean, now I just roll my eyes and just go, really? You know how many people have sent me to hell that are now atheists or pagans or serial killers or drunks or something, and I'm still here? You know, I'm sorry that no one told you that this was a marathon and not a sprint and you burnt out, you know, but if you're a little more honest and realistic, you know, perhaps you can come back and, and try and follow God the right way this time. Kind of like be yourself, be natural, be who you are. I mean, if, if you're an asshole, be a religious asshole. I mean, that's what I've noticed. You know, it says we become new creatures, but on certain levels, we don't. If you were a jerk before you were a Christian, chances are you'll be a religious idiot. <laughs> You know, instead of channeling things into being a judgmental right-wing moron, you'll just channel yourself into being a right-wing militant Christian fundamentalist moron. You think you're evangelizing, but every non-Christian you come in contact with can't stand to be around you. And that's when you've got to just stop and take a breath and just go, I'm not doing this right. Why, why is it all these Christians love me, but non-Christians just roll their eyes and turn the other way when I'm coming towards them? Oh, yeah, and I've met a lot of those. Yeah. You know, I don't think people reject God or Christianity. I think they reject Christians. And for good reason. I mean, it's just the way Christians present themselves is often so poorly done. And as you say, you know, the whole business about trying to jam a Bible down somebody's throat, I mean, it's a misused, cliched term, but I've met Christians that would seriously like to try to do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you just can't like vanilla ice cream. You've got to like a specific type of vanilla ice cream. See, I'm a nuanced guy, and it seems to be two major types of Christian. People that see things black and white and people that are arguing shades of white, you know, ultra-zealots. And, uh, yeah, I'm neither. I see nuance. I see gray. I see difference of colors. I see shades of things. I'm not a didactic, this is how it is, guys. I know it. This is the way I perceive it. This is it. This is how it's supposed to be. And usually you'll notice, gosh, that kind of always goes along with what they think to begin with. It's so nice when God agrees with them. <laughs> because they are the perfect people. Right. So, you know, it's like the old line, you know, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll just screw it up. This is Brian Healy of Dead Artist Syndrome, and you're listening to The Antidote
the title track from Kissing Strangers. Hey, I want to bring up about a song that's on Kissing Strangers. You've done a lot of covers over the years. You know, the Mamas and the Papas, the Bee Gees, even Cheap Trick. But Kissing Strangers, you did a cover of Leonard Cohen's First We Take Manhattan. I mean, and that's been covered by everybody too. You know, Jennifer Warrens, Joe Cocker, R.E.M. What was it about that song that you wanted to record your own version uh, I love the lyrics. I love Leonard Cohen. Uh, I know he got fleeced by his manager, so even if I could get, you know, 20 cents into the guy's pocket, I'm thrilled. The song apparently was originally written as a comment on the fashion industry and current culture. I actually see the song as an antichrist-type figure sitting around the house plotting. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. see it far more maniacal, and that's, that's sort of the way I, I interpreted it, you know. It's like, okay, I'm just laying here and wait. You know, again, it's, it's just the way I perceive evil. 
you know, that that's evil sitting at home alone in its own apartments, you know, just waiting, just plotting for its big takeover. And then it's going to go out, put on the smile, you know, so it's sort of like talking to my innermost thoughts and stuff. Uh, you know, the, the dark side of us all that we, we hopefully are able to suppress to a certain degree while having our integrity and our honesty. And, and, and that's the way I saw that song. You know, and, I, and I'll be honest, I totally related to the very first line. They sentenced me to 20 years of boredom for trying to change the system from within. You know, that's the difference between me and a lot of other people. I'm not walking away. I'm not giving up on the church. I'm not giving up on God. I'm going to stick around. I will be the fly in the ointment because I think this is valid. I think this is true. You know, I'm sorry you've turned it into a sales pitch or a lifestyle or a get-rich-quick scheme. I see it as my relationship between the creator of the universe is that special and unique. And through that is a prism in which I can relate to the world and those around me. And I can tap into that kindness and that grace. And if I can share it and spread a little more kindness and love to the world around me, then I've done a good job. That should be my goal, is to spread grace and peace and apply my faith with wisdom. And do you think that the music of Dead Artist Syndrome has accomplished that? I, I don't know. I, I try not to over-interpret things because a lot of people will interpret a song and what it means to them is totally not what I intended. And frankly, some of them, it's like, wow, you thought about this is a lot deeper than I thought of. That's pretty interesting. I'm glad it touched them that way. I mean, that's the overall goal is to try and do something that conveys your, your heart and your soul and your, and your spirit and your thoughts. Uh, and I try and relate to that, you know, that human side, that emotion side, because I don't think we're all on, on one level. I don't think we're all that different. It'd be like if the world, everyone was an F-150 pickup and we're all just painted different colors. I, I, I see a lot of things that we all deal with is very universal. It's a lot of times cultural issues or sin-specific issues or personal issues enter in and become sort of like a, a prism in which we see things instead of uh, the truth and God and faith and sincerity and, and, like I said, grace, peace, love, and mercy you know, are great prisms to see things through. i 
DAS version gives a new feel to the awesome song First We Take Manhattan, written by the great poet and songwriter Leonard Cohen. Thank God I don't weigh my life by financial success, otherwise I am an abject failure. 
you know, I've always wanted a motor home. I don't know why. Ever since I was a little kid, I've wanted a motor home. It's very stupid. Everyone else wants a Corvette. I always thought having a motor home is the greatest thing. Wherever you park, that's where you're sleeping. That's where I am. Perfect. Uh, and it makes the journey just as, as much fun as the destination. So with a motor home, everything's a destination. You know, I'm kind of using it as an illustration, but that's kind of how my life is. I don't have a lot of things. A lot of people I know have a lot of things. I've never been a things person. I've been an experienced person. I have had a grizzly bear walk within 15 feet of me and know its power and its might and its wildness. You know, I, I try to go to Yellowstone National Park and I've been the Banff and Whistler and I just look at the majesty and those are, and those are just my cathedrals. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I can go to St. John's Divine in New York or St. Patrick's or any one of a number of beautiful cathedrals and have art overload. Yes, that is the hand of God in the sense that all that was created. But I sort of like creation itself. I, I get a charge out of creation and God's work here and God just letting loose the forces of nature, you know, to create these places. It's a beautiful world 
Since Brian spoke about using a motorhome to view God's creation, there was no way that I could resist playing the Dead Artist Syndrome song, Beautiful World. And I guess it's time to admit that tonight's show has been pre-recorded. I'm actually on the road heading to Illinois for the annual Audio Feed Music Festival, which will give me time to meet a lot of great bands and people, including a set from tonight's artist, Dead Artist Syndrome. You'll hear more from The Antidote about that festival in two weeks' time. And next week, we have the excellent indie rock band, Velasca, coming to The Antidote. We'll speak to the entire band about their past music and their brand new release, Inchoate. Okay, this is it. Brian Haley comes with the final part of our talk and what he chose as our closing song. Have a great week. Brian, I guess we got to close this thing up. But first, you've got to tell us where to find the music of Dead Artist Syndrome. And one more favor, give us our closing song for the night. Uh, Closing song for the night? I've always been fond of the song I did called Reach. It's just a very simplistic praise song that I did. And uh, I think the message that I, I, I always want people to hear, that's why I try and end concerts with it. Uh, just because I, I think it's just so simple that the creator of the universe is just waiting for a point of contact with you. And all you've got to do is try and make that point of contact. Just reach out your hands and let God love you. And I think amazing things can happen. And how does everybody buy your music? Well, I, it's on CD Baby. Uh, it's probably going to start going back up on other sites uh kissing strangers is pretty much the most available right now right now if you go to deadartistsyndrome.com that'll take you to our facebook page but we're revamping everything and we're going to make it all available again 
because I, I've kind of let it stay out of print. You know how I said about the how the audience recycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now there's people that had never heard of it, and they they want it now. So uh, that will will start to happen probably through deadartistsyndrome.com, and I'll probably start putting most of it up as a at least digital download for the people that don't need a physical copy or their physical copy died. Most importantly, we want Brian Healy to get his motorhome. Yes. Boy, if you honestly have that gorgeous motorhome, I'll set a Class C's just fine because I probably couldn't, you know, afford the gas for a Class A. Yeah, if you've got that motorhome and you don't like your kids anymore or you never had kids and you're just thinking, who could I leave this to? I promise you I will take that motorhome and I will start going to <laughs> national parks and holding church services on a regular basis because I couldn't think of a, a better cathedral to to share God and the gospel and love and faith and grace than in a natural, wild environment. Yeah, there's there's my pitch. Now, because I always keep hearing these stories how God gave this guy a bus and stuff. It's like, where is this guy? Where Where is the guy who gets the entire population of China to send him a dollar? Why can't I be him for a week? You know? <laughs> the Antidote's been here with Brian Healy of Dead Artist Syndrome. And this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming for a talk. Thank you so much, Dave. I had a great time. Oh, Canada, how I love you. Thank you for producing John Candy and Second City and all my favorite people in the world. I miss you. Really?